So last week, Sean came up and showed us the blueprints uh, of an architect, and I couldn't figure them out because, you know what, an architect's the only one that can figure it out. It looks just like lines and it looks like a puzzle to me. And our life sometimes looks like a bunch of lines and puzzles and things that we can't put together. But God says, you just keep moving along, and I'm going to show you that I have plans for your good, to give you a future and give you a hope. So the architect has to be the one that uh, can read the plans. You can't read them yourself. But the Bible will explain them to you, the plans that he has for us. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11:3 that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So here's another building term. We have plans, now we have frame, a framework. And the worlds were framed, and that means uh, to equip, put in order, arrange, or established. So the worlds were established, put together, framed by the Word of God, and there's no chaos, right? The sun comes up every day, doesn't it? Goes down every day. The oceans roar, but they don't come against the shore. The flowers, the plants, and the trees, they all grow. Animals, they live and eat in this world. And no one's in charge of it. In the wild, there's no one. It's called a food chain or a pecking order. Some animals eat plants and vegetables. Other animals eat other animals. And there's just a whole you know, chain of command, food chain. And, and so God has, is in control of it. And Jesus said, not one sparrow falls to the ground without it being the will of the Father. That's amazing. The sparrow's just a little small bird, and God is in control and knows everything that's, that's functioning in this world. How much more, Jesus said, will he take care of you, O ye of little faith? So I used to think that the whole world was just going on its own. No, God's in control of everything, of every situation. He's in, he knows what's happening. In Galatians 4.19, it says, My little children, from whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. So God created the heavens and the earth in how many days? Six days. Very good. And the seventh day he rested. <laughs> so the worlds were created, but guess what? He's not done creating. He's not done forming. Because guess what? We have to be formed into the image of him and in his likeness. So he's still working in us. And you know what? We're, we're kind of an honorary group. I don't know if you noticed that. We want to do it our own way for forever, and we don't want to change. Despite the fact that people tell us that we're doing it wrong, we still keep going on. We, we get, you know, dismissed from situations. We get fired on our jobs. We lose, we, we, you know, we lose in relationships. But we're just going to keep our, 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 our patterns straight here. No, God says, I want to work in you to transform you. Praise God. You know, and God can't force us to be like him. Isn't that not good news? You know, you see these, some movies like The Born Identity where they program the person, program their mind, program their skill level to do a certain thing and act a certain way and go and do a certain thing. But God's not like that. He could program us, but he gives us a free will to decide. And so he's patient with us. He's long-suffering with us to build in us because, see, he has to build in us so and before he can build our future. He can't let you loose the way you are <laughs> with the anger and frustration and all these things that we have. He can't put you in charge of things. He has to work some things in you so that you can go out and be like him. Now, there was one guy in the movies 
that tried to create uh, his own man. Uh, Mary Shelley wrote about it. It was called, the guy was called Frankenstein. You remember Frankenstein? He walked something like this. Now, now what I couldn't understand is he would catch people <laughs> walking like that. I mean, you could be an Olympic sprinter, you could be Carl Lewis, and he'd just pop out, and he'd grab you. Now, <laughs> that, was, that was a what? That was an experiment gone bad. And I made the mistake when I was, I think, seven or eight years old. My mother was going to take me and my neighbor to the movies. And so she asked us, well, what movie do you want to go see? There's only two kids' movie out that time. We didn't have the 14 and the 24 and the 30 movies that in those days, just you know, like two or three. So they had Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Frankenstein. <laughs> so my, my friend who likes horror movies, he goes, we're not going to Snow White. We're going to go to Frankenstein. That was the worst decision I ever made in my life. <laughs> I had nightmares for months on end. I, I don't know, it got into my little tiny spirit, and I just thought Frankenstein was going to come out of my closet and, and, and grab me. And I, I was trying to picture, can I get to the door before he comes out? And if I yell, will my dad come and get him before it's too late? And I was thinking, like, can my dad take him? He's a wrestler. He could probably put a hold on him. My dad will do it. He will do it. I know he'll do it. I went to bed for days thinking that that my dad would deliver me, amen? Now, when I grow up, I, I, I believe that the Lord will deliver me from the evil, the thoughts that the devil tries to put in my brain, in my mind when I'm sleeping. So now what I do is I say, I put angels at the four corners of my bed to guard and watch over my mind so that I'll have good thoughts towards you, Lord. And it works. God does it. He, he protects you. So, um, but God wants to build some things in you. Now, there are some scriptures in the Bible, Tyrone, that are tough scriptures. Okay, things that, you know, not easy to do, but if you're able to do them, God can move you up the food chain. He can move you up the ladder into his, uh, you know, blessings and his offices. The Bible says if you're faithful in little, he'll make you faithful in much. So here's, a, here's some tough scriptures. It says, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery. That's tough scripture right there. Okay. And it says, if... That happens if I, I offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from me, for it is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than to have two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Is that right? So if I'm having lustful thoughts, I'm committing adultery and I, got, I should pluck my eye out? Well, I don't believe Jesus believed in self-mutilization, but I believe that he, he, he was telling the seriousness of it that I'm dwelling in you, and if you're looking at and having wrong thoughts, that it is better to not have those thoughts, somehow arrest them. So we were at a men's meeting, and we were talking about this scripture about looking at a woman to lust after her, and so we were saying, somebody said, well, the minister, one minister said, if you look once, that's okay, but if you look twice, well, that's a sin right there. So one brother said, well, I'll just keep looking, I won't turn away. <laughs> Then somebody says, well, what if I'm just admiring her beauty? And I say, well, why don't, are, are you concerned about her soul, 
her well-being or are you just looking at her body? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a different one. So uh, that, these are tough scriptures. God wants to look at you because it's hard to minister to somebody if you're looking at other things other than their soul. Here's another tough scripture. Mark 10, 25, it says, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I mean, you can't be rich and get into the kingdom of heaven? Well, what Jesus was saying is, the eye of the needle was a little gate that people would go through at night. And to get through it, if you had a camel with all your belongings, you have to unload, unpack the camel so the camel could get down and scrunch down, get on his knees and get through the eye of the needle. So the moral of the story is that a rich man has to put aside all of his rich things to follow Christ. Amen? So we get hung up on our things, our possessions, things that we have to do, and we forget about that we need to serve the Lord. So it's a tough uh, scripture. Here's another tough one. You ready for this one? We're getting, they're going to get harder here. Matthew 6, 15. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. What are you talking about, Jesus? I thought God could forgive everybody's sin. Well, right here it says, if you don't forgive others, he can't forgive you. Seems a little strict, doesn't it? Seems a little hard. And I've talked to people that have actually talked to Jesus face to face, and he said the same thing, and he would mention the person's name. You need to forgive so-and-so, because if you don't, you're, you run the danger of not getting into heaven. What? I mean, I don't know if you want to believe it or not, but it says right here, if you don't forgive men their sins, they won't forgive you yours. But even if, uh, you know, it, it's hard to tell. Did I forgive someone or did I not forgive someone? Well, here's a good test. What if they won the lotto? Would you rejoice with them? <laughs> or would you say, she doesn't deserve it. <laughs> well, that, that should have been me, Lord. <laughs> or do you rejoice with those people? Amen. But God wants us to not only be forgiving, he wants us to walk in, unfor in forgiveness so that we're pure and clean on the inside so that he can speak to us and talk to us and we can move with his compassion. 1 John 3.15 says this, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Oh, didn't you want to come to church today and find out you could be a murderer? <laughs> I'm not a murderer. You, don't, you, you, you have hate towards that person. I don't hate him. I just don't want to see him again for the rest of my life. <laughs> I have relatives back east that have been mad at their family members for over 15 years. They forgot why they're mad at them. They're just mad. <laughs> I'm sure some of you know some of those kinds of people, too. But everybody wants the great calling, the great blessing, but they don't realize what you have to do to get it. You have to let God work on you. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You also are lively stones and built up a spiritual house. So we have to be built up. And, uh, you know, we all have trials and tribulations. Is that not so? We all have people that get it rub us the wrong way, situations that kind of get to us. But we have to be impervious to that. We have to be removed from that. And the be best way I can describe it is, it was, as it was described to me, is a boat in the ocean. It's on the water. That's good, right? But if the water gets in the boat, the boat's going to sink. So if you're above your problems and you're floating in life and you have Jesus as your, as your anchor, you're okay, but if the problems start getting in you, you're going to sink. 
So you have to be above, we all have problems and situations. So I, I'm going to read this post that I uh, dialogue with one of the pastors that's in my class. I don't do this too often, but this one is a, is a good one. So we are talking about how pastors have to do things that, you know, you're usually not called to do and you don't really expect to be having to, to be put in these situations. And so I, I gave her a nice little question. I go, have you ever had to do things that, you know, were out of the ordinary, unusual, things that you hadn't planned on doing as a pastor? She said, yes. And she writes this. It's a woman pastor. She said, in the last 10 days, I have sat with a lady who may have to unplug her husband from life support. I took another member to chemo. I have been asked to cook for an expectant mother struggling with her pregnancy. I was asked to pray that a co-worker would bring illegal drugs to a woman with a toothache who refuses to go to the dentist. She wanted her blessing upon it. I heard the confession of a leader in training that had a moral fa failure, but thinks she has never been closer to God. I was asked to reinvite a man to church who physically assaulted me because he needs us. I evicted a homeless man from the church steps. I sat through a board meeting where we were making decisions on global matters, and in the same day had to deal with a member who thought I should come over and sit with her because her cat is sick and the meds are difficult to administer. This is the life of a pastor. My dad had surgery. I attended pastor's conference. I preached Sunday service, filled in for the worship leader, and taught a Bible study. I had a leadership meeting. I had a birthday that I didn't have time to celebrate. I subbed four days at a middle school so I can afford to pastor, and I remained faithful to my classes at the, at the, the master's program. Is this unusual, she says? <laughs> I would say so. I said, peace be with you, my child. <laughs> you should be a saint. <laughs> Ten days. All those, she said she didn't respond to all those things, but that's what was asked of her. Can you imagine that? Makes my life like, oh, this is a piece of cake. How about the Apostle Paul? Check this out. He said, uh, he's talking about his trials and tribulations. He says, uh, <clears throat> Are they, are they talking about other people? Are they ministers of Christ? I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. That means he got whipped with a cat of nine tails 39 times, five different occasions. I mean, if I just prick my finger, it's like, <laughs> time out. Be careful. Your back laid open, okay? Five times. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and left for dead. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep sea, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, Perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides all these things, I have to take care of the churches that I'm in charge of. How, how would you like that as a life? I want to be an apostle. What a grand thing to be. People stone you and shipwreck you and beat you. These kinds of things. That's not so 
So exciting, is it? It's kind of like, remember when Joseph had that dream about how his father was going to bow down to him and his brothers were going to bow down to him? Glorious. But guess what God left out in the dream? Oh, by the way, <laughs> your brothers are going to sell you to slavery. You're never going to see your father for 13 years. You're going to go into Potiphar's house. You're going to be falsely accused, thrown into prison for a number of years. And God knows if you're ever going to get out of it. Uh, no, I didn't hear that part. <laughs> How about when, uh, what's his name? The prophet Samuel comes to David and said, you're going to be king. God's going to bestow glory and honor and riches upon you. And also, and also you're going to have to run for your life for a number of years into caves and people are going to try to kill you. David said, uh, what was that again? He said, you're going to be king. You're going to have riches and honor and glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about the part after that? Oh, yeah, your sons are going to betray you. <laughs> the king is going to come after you. You're going to run in caves. They're going to try to kill you for a number of years. Uh, I don't think I want that. There's some things that we, we think is always going to be so peachy keen and no problems and everything's going to be all right. But there's situations that come in our life that God wants us to have the strength to overcome them so that he can move us on to the next position. And so we can't grow weary in well-doing. We can't give up and say, oh, you know what? I can't handle this. Even like uh, this week, I had things that I had to take care of. I said, Lord, I don't know if I can take care of all these things. He said, I'll help you. Okay, well, let's go. Let's walk through it. And he's able to walk through it. And after it's all said and done, you go like, wow, it's fantastic. So your mess is your message. Your test is your testimony. What you've had to go through, now you can help others to help them get through it. Now, I heard a story about this woman. And she's telling this story on the radio. And she was telling it, well, when she was a young girl, uh, uh, her father and her mother, she loved her father and her mother. Her father was Superman, and her mother was Lois Lane, and they were just a happy family. And one day, her aunt picked her up from school and took her to her grandmother's house. And the aunt was sobbing with great big tears, and she couldn't figure out what she cried about. They went to the grandmother's house, and it was like a ranch, and the cars were parked all scattered. She said, something's wrong here, and went into the house, and all the people were wailing crying deeply, sobbing. And she says, I don't understand what is going on here. And one of the ladies got up and she was crying. She says, I don't know how to tell you kids this, but your father murdered your mother and then he killed himself. And we're so sorry that it happened to you. And she said, she looked at her and said, I don't believe it. And she ran out the door into the woods and she kept running and running and running until she couldn't run anymore. And she fell down on the ground and she grabbed some dirt and she said, Jesus, help me. And she didn't even know Jesus at the time. She said, I know Jesus was, I think, that guy that hung on the cross, but that was the only thing that I could say, Jesus, help me. And so she had pain for many years, but she found uh, help and relief from knowing Jesus finally. And then they had horses on the ranch. And so what they did is they had her work with the horses, and she found solace in that to be able to comfort the horses as the horses were there to, you know, fellowship with, with her. And so go another 10 or 15 years, all of a sudden she now finds out that she wants to have that same ministry to other kids that were abused. 
So she gets a ranch of her own that was donated, and she gets horses that were damaged, that were beaten and maltreated, mistreated and malnourished, and so she brings the horses and the kids that were beaten and malnourished together, and they minister to each other, and they bring health and healing because what she experienced, now she wants to give to others. What you're experiencing, what you're going through to overcome, you can give to others. So learn the, the lessons and the message that God has for you while you're going through it so that you can teach others. I know there's people here you know, that have situations that they've had to endure for a number of years, but God is working in them to trust in him, to believe that he's going to take them to another place where it's going to be better because of what he's building on the inside of you. Amen? Praise God. Can you guys can relate to that? So, so there's no situation that you're facing, there's no uh, area in your life that God can't work through. You're not mission impossible to him. You, he, you're not like, oh, I'm just a mess, I've been a mess all my life. No, God shows us in the Old Testament how these people have overcome their inadequacies. You know, Abraham and Jacob and David. They weren't perfect people. They made their mistakes, but they are examples to us on how to believe God and how to have him work in us and build in us what he wants us to have so that we can minister to others. And you're going to be so much better at it. You know, <laughs> there's a guy named Gary Smalley. You ever heard of Gary Smalley? He's, he's one of the world-renowned marriage counselors. And he has these, this great wisdom on how to handle marriages. But there was a time when his wife was getting ready to leave, and she packed her bags, and she's ready to go out the door. He said, where are you going? She said, I'm leaving. He said, why are you leaving? She said, I told you why I'm not happy here. He said, wait a minute. He got down, got a piece of paper, sat down at the kitchen table, goes, tell me one more time. <laughs> and he started writing it down, the things that he needed to do. And then he became famous because he started writing what his wife told him to do for us as married people to learn so we didn't have to reinvent the wheel. So whatever your calamity that you're going through, just know that God's going to work in you some things so that you can be a, you know, a message to others. Praise God. So in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in. So he already knows where he wants to take us, where he wants us to go. We just have to believe and trust in him and follow him so that he, we will get to the destination that he has planned for us. He wants to build our future and build it on the inside of us so that we're somebody, something when we arrive. You know, Kenneth Copeland talks about the fact that he knew that he was supposed to preach to thousands. And the Lord told him, I can't put you in front of thousands the way your temper is. What are you talking about? He goes, you know, you, you're, you, you get angry. You probably punch somebody out. and You can't have a great man of God there on TV and decking the cameraman or whatever. So God, God has to trust you, you know, where you're at and, and, and work in you. Praise God. So it says, uh, do not, in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This mind has to be renewed, has to think differently. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So we have to learn how to think the way God thinks. And we have control over our minds. Did you know that? It's not just something that, you know, just running around, you know, like a horse that's 
out of the stable. No, you can. I have to tell myself, no, I'm not thinking that way. I'm thinking this way. The Bible says, mind who's, uh, let's see, he will give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So if my mind starts wandering, if I don't have peace, I'm going to start thinking about you, Jesus. I'm going to start meditating on a scripture that you've given to me so that I can have the peace and rest from knowing him. He is the anchor of my soul. A couple more scriptures. Uh, in Hebrews 4.13, it says, There is no creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And so what God is saying is, you might have your own little motives. You have my, your own little thoughts of how you want to be and what you want to be and the, accol- the acclaim that you want to have. But God knows what's on the inside of you. He says, I can see right into your heart. You be naked. You ever been naked? Do you invite people over when you're naked? No. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. (laughs) But when God looks at you naked, he sees your heart. He he knows what's on the inside. You You can't fool him. I mean, I know some people, they wear clothes that they can cover things up, you know. Pretty good. <laughs> I went to a former church that I had, and I hadn't seen these guys in 10 years, and they all had these big, you know, shirts that covered everything. You know? I'm going, you're not fooling me. <laughs> you used to tuck your shirt in. You can't tuck it in anymore. <laughs> but I've, I've had my heart, I know what I'm talking about. I've had my heart exposed before. I've had God look in there, and it's, as the Bible says, filthy rags. It, it, it's like you, you want to be self-acclaimed, uh, and you want, you want to be um, selfish ambition. You want people to pat you on the back. You want people to, to praise you and to acknowledge you. We all do. Come on. You, know, you don't want anybody to say, uh, you know, Tyrone's saying, nobody say anything. Tyrone, go home. Like, well, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I sang my heart out. That was my best song. <laughs> no acknowledgement, no nothing. So you know, give, him, give him kudos when he leaves. So, <laughs> you know, The pastor, you know, you want to make a pastor happy, you say, oh, I just love the message, pastor. Just wonderful message. Go ahead and lie. It's all right, you know. Make him feel good. <laughs> but he can tell when you're, when you're lying and when you're not lying. Amen. You, you heard about the pastor that was at the back door and people were coming by. And he was really proud of his message, thought it was a good thing, and so people were complimenting him. He had that big smile on his face, and uh, they said, good message, Pastor. Thank you. It, it was only God. And one lady said, no, it, it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to know, <laughs> we're just vessels, amen? So anyway, I don't know, Tyrone, if you were there at, at our, our first church when we had this group that came in, it was an Asian group. From the, from the area, Indonesia and, you know, Philippines and all these, all these areas. And, and so they were singing, all different age groups, you know, teenagers, young kids, middle, middle school. And they were singing unto the Lord. There was about like 30 of them. And they were just singing their heart out. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit came. I said, wow, this is fantastic. They were like caught up. I, you know, I was ready for them just to kind of rise up off the platform and going, this is great. And so I started clapping, you know, oh, you guys are doing great. And they didn't care. And so I went up to them and I started touching them. You know, you, you're doing so good. They didn't care. 
They were singing to, and then the conviction of the Lord came upon me. You, you just do it for the applause, don't you? You just do it so people can pat you on the back and tell you how good you are and all this. <laughs> I went outside. I was crying. And another friend of mine, he was out there. He was crying. I go, what are you crying about? He's a big guy. He goes, my heart, I just, I have selfish ambition. I just want to say, I go, that's the same thing the Lord told me. And you know what? It's very hard to have your heart exposed. You can't even... If you try to do it, you can't do it. He's the only one that can get in there. But we have so many blocks. We have so many uh, hindrances and you know, reservations to keep people away that we don't even know our own heart. The Bible says if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And when we get to heaven, we're gonna feel, no one's going to feel like, oh, I'm worthy. Let me in. No, we're going to be like, oh, Jesus, I need help. Give me the blood of Jesus. Cleanses me. Praise God. Amen. So uh, last couple of scriptures. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, now here's one of those other frightful scriptures. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15, actually. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. God is building in you. According to the grace of God which was given to me, a wise master builder, Paul is saying, I have laid the foundation, see these are all building terms, right? God wants to build line upon line, precept upon precept. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which has been built on it endures, you'll receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. What is it saying? It says, depending on what you do, how you build your foundation of your life, if it's what God has called you to do, then it's gold, silver, and precious stones. But if it's just things that you make up, things that you want to do, that you think are good, that really have no effect, God said that's wood, hay, and stubble, and it'll get burned up. You may do something that you think, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, I've given to this, I've done this, I, I was an usher at the, at the church, but you know, your ways are not his ways and the way he's judging your heart. It's wood, hay, stubble. You just want to be an usher so you can be recognized. So you can walk down the aisle and look good. Mm -hmm. I'm the usher here, praise the Lord. <laughs> wood, hay, stubble. Get burned up. What a frightful thing that would be to be at church all this time and then have it all wiped out because of the attitude that you have. So what we have to do, saints of God, is to find the thing that God has called us to do and do that. He may call you to be a pastor and you want to be a missionary. He called you to be a children's church teacher and you want to be a singer. You have to find the thing that God wants you to do. That way you can do it and be fulfilled. It's kind of like your kids. You know, you tell your kids, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to clean up your room and do the dishes. Okay, mom. <laughs> like is saying, like, no, no way. <laughs> you heard about the, te the, uh, the teacher that was teaching the kids about cleanliness, and she asked the kids, you know, fill in the blank. Cleanliness is next to 
And one kid says, impossible. <laughs> so you tell your kids, clean up your room and do the dishes. And you come home and the dishes are there and the room's not cleaned up. And you ask the kid, well, what did you do? He said, well, I mowed the lawn and I picked the weeds out of the back of the lawn. That's not what I told you to do. Do you get a reward for that? No, you didn't do what, the per what your parents told you to do. So we have to find what is on the inside of us that God has put in there. In Galatians 15, 16 says this, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul knew right away that when Christ saved him, he was supposed to do and preach the gospel. It was on the inside of him. The, the, the revelation of who Jesus was had to be uh, come out and be preached to others. It was on the inside. You have things on the inside that you need to come, have come out, and God will help you do that. Tyrone has been singing a long time. He took a little break, but he knows, I got to get back to doing what God has called me to do. And so we can't take a break. We can't say, okay, Lord, well, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I, I, just, I just don't want to do it anymore. No. Get off your rusty dusty. Get off your blessed assurance and get to work and do what God has called you to do. Don't worry about the outside things. Don't worry about the people that you know, ridicule you or, or talk bad about you. You can't look at those things. You got to do what you have to do in the Lord. Otherwise, you'll never. You heard about the guy that was... He, He's, he's, he's doing his prayers, and he said, well, Father, I thank you that I've had a good day today, and uh, you know, I've done everything that you've asked me to do. I did my devotions. I, I've been kind to people and had good thoughts, and uh, I just want you to help me because I'm going to get out of my bed now, and I'm going to go and, and do the rest of the day, and I need your help. You know, it's easy to be holy when you're at home, all alone, nobody interfering with you. <laughs> But when you go out and people are mistreating you and bossing you around and telling you what to do, then all of a sudden, oh, man, what is this? I, I'm going to step back. No, you got to keep going. I have this theory that the reason why some people don't like the saints of God is because the saints don't talk the way God does. God talks so nice. And would you like to? Had you thought about? And would you consider this? <laughs> and the saints don't talk that way. You better do this. You, you, you need to do that. And, you know, look at yourself. You know, <laughs> that's not God. But you have to know that sometimes they're doing things to correct you. Do you remember David when he was kicking, was leaving Jerusalem and leaving uh, the kingdom? And this man came alongside him and was throwing rocks at him. Said, you're a filth, you're a, a bloody man and you're a man of war and you don't deserve to be king. And he was throwing rocks at him. And what did David's man, uh, man of war say? Let me cut his head off. And David said, no, he might be speaking the oracles of God. Because he was speaking the oracles of God, not in the right spirit, but he was telling the truth. Because when David wanted to build the temple, what did God say to him? You're a man of bloody hands. You're a man of war. It was true. David needed to correct himself. But the spirit you can't receive. So sometimes people will tell you things and you don't want to receive them. But let them build in you. Let them change you on the inside so that you can be a better person. You know, one time we, we at another church, we used to have adopted daughters and sons, you know, that we used to have, and spiritual sons. And so we had this one 
girl that would come in and she would talk to me about things in my office and I'd be listening, kinda, and <laughs> she'd go on and on and on and I'd be listening and then I'd hold that thought and go do something, come back, okay, go ahead. <laughs> do that a couple times and finally she said, you're not paying attention, you're not listening to me. You don't like me anymore. And I said, no, I do, I just, I'm kind of busy. So I go home and I tell my wife, I go, you wouldn't believe what so-and-so said. They said I don't pay attention to them, I ignore them, I'm not listening to them. My wife says, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what you do, that's the way you are. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so sometimes you have to hear it a couple times before you learn how to change your way, amen? amen. So, in conclusion, know that God has put things on the inside of you that he wants for them to come out. He's building them in you so that you can minister to others, so that you, he can build your future in the ministry that he wants to give to others on his behalf. Amen? Are you ready for that challenge? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you for the privilege to minister to your people, to give them words of encouragement, to know that you love them, Lord, and you've called them for a purpose, that you want to build in them the things that you have already put on the inside of them so that they can grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I ask you, Lord, to reveal to them the things that they need to change so that, so that they can be better equipped to do your will. We ask you for this in Jesus' name. Just hold that thought. Let the Lord minister to you right now. In Jesus' name. You might have some thoughts right now of things. You know, people have been telling me this or telling me that. Or I know in my own heart I need to change some things. Let the Holy Spirit first convict you, then encourage you to change those things so that you can be more pleasing in His sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.